0: Our Gospel reading today is taken from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter nine, reading verses 57 to 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, Jesus said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray again together. God, our Father, we thank you for your word and we need it, Lord. We need to hear your voice and we need to see the master, to hear Jesus' words and to see his way. And so grant now, Lord, graciously by your Holy Spirit to uh, let our hearts be filled with the knowledge of your word so that we might do accordingly, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we continue today uh, in this series on um, the Lord Jesus and looking at his ministry, understanding, as I prayed, the, the words of the master and the way of the master. It is the most important thing for us that we fix our hearts and our minds on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And our text today, I think, is easily classified as one of those texts that speak the hard sayings of Jesus. These are hard words of the master. He speaks peremptorily. It's very brusque and it's not open to debate. In no way is Jesus trying to make his message more appealing in order to gather more followers. In fact, I think you'll notice today that Jesus does the exact opposite of that. Today in our text, Jesus has people coming to him Jesus has people asking to join his ragamuffin band, confessing their desire to follow him, and in the wake of that, Jesus deliberately makes it harder for them (laughs) to follow him. Are you sure, he says? Are you sure you want to follow me? Do you know where the path goes, he says? I have to say that I think our passage today is crucial, pun intended, for our 21st century North American church that has taught and been taught for several decades that what's most important is getting people into your building. Get the numbers, be as sensitive as possible, make Christianity as cool and as hip as it can be. Do not say things that will turn them away, for goodness sake. And here we have Jesus doing the opposite. They want to say, we'll follow you, Jesus. And Jesus makes it harder for them to come. Because Jesus doesn't want people. Jesus wants followers. He doesn't want people who are excited about the benefits of Jesus, forgiveness, justification, eternal life, but have no patience for the way of Jesus, godliness. Righteousness, self-denial, self-abnegation, loneliness, crucifixion. When the character pliable in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress first starts out with Christian, he is very excited to hear but all the things that a believer gets. Tell me more, Christian, he says. Tell me more of all these things I will enjoy. But when Pliable starts to taste the difficulties of the Christian life, he soon turns away. And if we're going to be the church that the Lord wants us to be, then we can't disguise the gospel as the path to glory that we just put our car in neutral and we let Jesus take us down the path of pleasure and prosperity. Jesus tells us today that it's going to be hard to follow him. Jesus tells us today that the cost is very high and the way is very narrow. In my path, he says, there's great suffering. In my path, there's great heartache, he says. Jesus says, think twice before you say that you want to follow me. And three individuals today come to Jesus in our text. The first, as you'll notice in verse 57, says he will follow Jesus anywhere. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go, Jesus. You just name it and I'm there. Now immediately it sounds rash and it sounds glib. And evidently Jesus thinks likewise. Wherever I go, he answers, wherever I go. Do you know that the wild animals have places to sleep? Do you know that the the wild animals have homes to go to? But I travel this world not knowing where I'll spend the next night. I am the homeless man, he says. (laughs) If you follow me, you follow me into homelessness. One of the tempting things to do in these difficult passages of Jesus is to sanitize his words. It's to interpret them in such a way that the peremptory and shocking value is removed from them. But that's the wrong way to read the gospel. Jesus is being perfectly candid here to this man. Most of us live in in semi-permanent homes of one kind or another, and it's difficult, isn't it? if we're honest with ourselves today, to identify ourselves with the homeless Jesus, when we revel in our apartment, or our condo, or our house. But whatever kind of house we live in, Jesus' words to his disciples is that the way of his kingdom is just this. It is not about setting our hopes and our affections on what we can achieve and possess in this life. What Jesus is saying to us today is that we are all to be, in a certain sense, homeless. And we're all to regard the goods that we can enjoy in this life as if we didn't enjoy them at all. And it requires constant watchfulness It requires, I think, constant and deliberate acts of renunciation from time to time. It requires significant amount of self-distrust. Above all, it requires faith that preoccupies itself with the promise and preoccupies itself with something infinitely better. And so St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, from now on, from this point on, let those who have wives, live as if they had none. Let those who mourn as if they were not mourning, those who rejoice as if they were not rejoicing, and let those who have goods live their lives in such a way as if they didn't have them at all. And let those who deal with the world as if they had no dealings with the world at all. Why? for the present form of the world is passing away. (laughs) Christians live differently. Let those who have houses so live as if they had no houses at all. Let them live rather for the kingdom because they are convinced that their houses are passing away. The time is short, writes Richard Sibbs, the great Puritan. We have many businesses to do in this world. Let's just be sure that we conduct ourselves so that we do not leave the main business undone, which is the business of the kingdom of God. That is your business, and whatever else business you do, so do it as if it's not your business, even though you must do it to be in this world. In Jesus, in this world, we are all called to be homeless, strangers, exiles, sitting and weeping at the waters of Babylon, lest we forget Zion. That is the way that Jesus speaks about today. In verse 59, Jesus speaks directly now to someone with the command to follow. And this person, after 59, says... Yes, I'll follow you. Yes, I'll do that. As soon, Jesus, as I take care of some things at home. Just let me bury my father first. Now that sounds perfectly reasonable, doesn't it? Your father has died and you need to take care of uh, the, the funeral. I mean, we're supposed to honor our father and our mother. In Matthew 15, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees because they don't obey the fifth commandment. You're not honoring your mother and father like the commandments tell you to do, and he rebukes them. And now he doesn't seem to care about the attention the son would pay to his father. Well, I need to say that Jesus has no problem with burial. Jesus' beef is not with the act of burial. In fact, in John 12, he mentions Mary, or he talks about Mary anointing his feet with that precious Uh, perfume, and he says, she has done this for the day of my burial. It's right, and it's good, and it's fitting, and this story will be told of her for years to come. It's not burial Jesus has a problem with here. It's excuse. If the father were already dead, the son would already be in the house mourning. What this man is saying is that let me just wait, Jesus, until my father dies, and when that happens, and when I take care of that, then I'll be ready to go with you. And Jesus detects here the dragging of feet. Jesus detects excuse. He sees now in this man aversion to prompt obedience to the command of the Lord. And so Jesus casts these harsh words at this man. Let the dead bury their dead. You follow me. Now the dead evidently can't bury their dead. And so Jesus' words here have more subtle meaning. What he means here is let the spiritually dead take care of these matters. Let those who have no regard For the kingdom of God, take care of the corpses. You take care, my son, of something else, more pressing concerns. You take care of raising the dead to life. The kingdom of God is upon you. Don't you recognize the importance of this thing? What are you going to do now, my child, in light of the kingdom of God? No more excuses, he says to him. I won't let you hide in your excuses, he says. What will you do in view of the kingdom? You know, that's a good word for us to wake up to each morning. To wake up to Jesus' words, what will you do about the kingdom? How will you live your life? in view of the kingdom of God, in view of the fact that Jesus has died for our sins, has been raised from the dead, has been given all power and authority over everything and is seated at the right hand of God and is coming uh, again to judge the living and the dead. What will you do each morning in view of this, in view of the kingdom? Well, it's clear what Jesus wants this man to do. He says, you go and you proclaim the kingdom of God. What will you do this day in light of the kingdom? Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And so we wake up each morning, my brothers and sisters, with the kingdom of God pressing upon us. And Jesus says to us each day, what will you do in view of the kingdom of God. Finally, in verse 61, we have the third individual. He promises to follow Jesus, if only he can be permitted to say a few farewells first. And once again, Jesus perceives the double-mindedness in the man, and Jesus proceeds to call a spade a spade. My kingdom, he says, is about looking in one direction. My kingdom is about looking forward with fixed aim. And if you allow yourself to be distracted by other things, you will not be the worker that I need you to be. Jesus now uses an illustration from the farm to make furrows straight in the field to make furrows straight in the field, the, the man who's fixed himself and is guiding that plow needs to keep his eyes on the horizon to a certain point and not move his head hither and thither all over the place, for if he does, that furrow will move everywhere around the ground. I find this particularly challenging to me. I find as a pastor of Christ Church, God has given me a commission to work for the kingdom of God, and many things will come here. Many distractions will come and throw themselves into our path, saying you should go this way, you should go that way. All kinds of opportunities for me and for you to look around ourselves, but the job of the gospel is to keep forward. The job of the gospel is to fix our minds and our hearts and our bodies to the plow and keep our eyes fixed on the one thing. And no matter what comes against us, no matter what distraction says, do this, do that, go here, go there, we say we fix our eyes and our hearts on Jesus. And if we turn this way, and if we turn that way, and if we look behind ourselves, Jesus says we render ourselves useless for the kingdom of God. The wonderful thing about this is that Jesus' yoke is easy, and his burden is light. We often read that Jesus has made a yoke for us. My yoke is easy, he says. My burden is light, as if Jesus makes a yoke, and he fits it for us, and he puts it upon us, and he he, he now kind of throws his, his taskmaster whip, and he says, go on now and plow. But that's not what Jesus means by his yoke. My yoke, his yoke means that the yoke is on Jesus' shoulders. And he's the lead ox. And he's treading in front of us. He's leading us in the kingdom of God. And he invites us into his labors. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And if you come with me, and if you let me lead you, and if you keep your eyes on me, I will show you where to go. And I will show you where and how to labor. As long as you keep your eyes fixed on me. As long as each of us keep hearing Jesus say, this is the way. This is the way. (laughs) Walk in this way. And so, brothers and sisters, let's each of us do that today. Let's give ourselves to hearing anew the words of Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.